When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This week on Wealth Track, how to maximize the effectiveness of your charitable giving with Pamela Norley. She's the president of Fidelity Charitable, the oldest donor-advised fund in the country, and Elda D. Ray, personal tax and financial planning specialist at EY. They're next on Consuelo Mack Wealth Track. Hello and welcome to this edition of Wealth Track. I'm Consuelo Mack. 2017 is the 100th anniversary of the charitable tax deduction. Americans are known for their generosity in charitable works. They are characteristics noted by French political philosopher Alexis de Tocqueville during his travels in America between 1831 and 1832. He described them in his instant bestseller, Democracy in America, his analysis of the nature of the new republic and its citizens. Quote, Americans group together to hold fets, found seminaries, build inns, construct churches, distribute books, dispatch missionaries to the Antipodes. They establish hospitals, prisons, schools by the same method. Finally, if they wish to highlight a truth or develop an opinion by the encouragement of a great example, they form an association. Well, Americans were more generous than ever last year, donating $390 billion to their favorite causes and associations. As usual, individuals contributed the bulk of it, nearly $300 billion, or three-quarters of the total. And they increased their donations by nearly 4%, the largest single contributor to the overall growth in giving. As usual, religious organizations were the major beneficiaries, getting 32% of the total charity pot. Education was half that at 15%. And for only the sixth time in 40 years, all nine major philanthropy subsectors realized giving increases. And for the second year in a row, charities involved in environmental and animal causes experienced the fastest growth in donations, up 7.2% to more than $11 billion. Well, where to give can be a daunting decision. There are 1.5 million nonprofit organizations in the U.S., A million of those are public charities. Nearly 400,000 are other types of tax-exempt organizations, associations such as chambers of commerce and fraternal organizations and civic leagues. How do you decide where to give? How do you know the charities you support are effective and trustworthy? How do you maximize your charitable deductions? That is where this week's guests come in. Elda D. Ray is a private client services leader in EY's National Tax Department with a focus on servicing the personal tax and financial planning needs of ultra-high net worth individuals, including Forbes 400 executives. But she promises she can also bring it down to a lower income level. Among her many specialties is charitable planning. Pamela Norley is the president of Fidelity Charitable, the oldest and largest donor-advised fund in the country, and second only to the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation in grant-making. Established in 1991 by investment giant Fidelity, Fidelity Charitable is a completely independent public charity whose mission is to make charitable giving, quote, simple, effective, and accessible. 
Since its launch, it has helped more than 130,000 donor-advised accounts, it calls them giving accounts, support more than 235,000 different charities with more than $22 billion in grants. I started the conversation by asking them what is driving the increase in giving that we are seeing pretty much across all categories. So there's a lot of different things that are driving that. I think one is strong markets, no question about it, that people are feeling confident about the markets right now. And so as a result, they're, they're seeing some appreciation in their uh, portfolios. And so they're mm -hmm. using that to then do their philanthropy. Two is, I think that there's just enormous amount of information that's made available about the needs across the world. Every day there's some cause, some flood, some earthquake, some Syrian crisis, and people feel very passionate and very compassionate about the things that they care about and they want to give and, and, uh, and support those causes. And so I think that uh, we've also had an election that you know, in some instances may have caused people to be concerned about the level of governmental support that will be provided to philanthropic right. organizations going forward. So there's a myriad of things going on. And then the fourth thing I would say is the millennials. You know, the kind of the millennials coming of age, they are very, very community focused and world focused. And you know, although they're young, they're giving. They're giving. Right. They are, even in yeah. small amounts, but they're giving. And so it's driving that $390 billion number that right. you know about. So Elder, what from your perspective, do you number one agree with what Pam's saying? And, and also what you know what what's driving this charitable impulse to record heights, because the Americans have always been very charitable. So I agree with the, uh, the points that Pam laid out, and I'd add to them that there's an enormous amount of wealth being created at the top. And there's an acknowledgment that perhaps leaving all your money to your children is not a good thing. Mm -hmm. So your choices are your children, charity, or the government. And people <laughs> feel like perhaps they'd prefer to have um, a say in how that money is spent. And they right. can do that through charity as opposed to paying taxes. There's something else going on as well. And there, there are changes in, in giving patterns. So let me ask you too about that. The fact that there was a slowdown in, in contributions to education, for instance. And there was a pickup in, a big pickup in contributions to the environment and animal causes. Yes. Uh, so can you, what trends are you seeing, Pam? So Fidelity Charitable has seen people stay in the course with some of the big charities, the Red Cross, United Way, Doctors Without Borders, but also seeing some uh, contributions going to some organizations such as the Refugee Crisis Organization Supporting Syrian Refugee Crisis. We saw them going to the uh, Southern Poverty Law Center, also to the ACLU. So organizations that are very focused on on dealing with, I think, you know, inequality mm -hmm. uh, in resources and making sure that those are impoverished in communities and around the world are getting the support that they need as well. Right, and 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 among the the clients that you advise, and and I in my introduction to you, I mentioned that you do advise high net worth clients, even though you are willing to talk to us at a lower level <laughs> as well. But what 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 kind of causes are you seeing greater interest in? I am seeing my clients involved in charities where they feel they can truly make a difference. Uh -huh. So that might not mean a big check to a school that's yeah. got a large endowment, but they, they identify the charities that they, they become involved with and feel that their check can do something that's tangible. So compare it to um, you know, a school in Africa versus right. giving money to a, you know, an endowed college in the United States. They right. feel where the size of their check 
can, can create something that is a tangible difference in the lives of others. They feel really good about that giving and they want to give more. And Ella, speaking of the size of the check, mm -hmm. we did have a, 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 we have a new president. There was a big presidential election with a new agenda. And I know when you and I had talked earlier, mm -hmm. you mentioned that at, at EY, you were looking very closely at the tax reform proposals that were coming in from the Trump administration, from the GOP. And that made a difference last year in what you were advising your clients as far as their tax uh, policies and practices. So tell me what your view is now, number one, and, and what you're advising clients to do. Well, the, the post-election period was, uh, there was this frenzy about what was going to happen to the deduction for charitable giving. Right. Um, the Trump proposal had been uh, to limit the total amount of itemized deductions. And for people that were high net worth, that meant potentially not getting a benefit for their large contributions. So many of our clients uh, funded uh, their foundations, their charities, their donor advised funds at the end of calendar year 2016. So they For, accelerated. They, they accelerated their, their gifts right. in, in fear that that deduction would be lost in the future. Now, we're th now what we're seeing is a thought that even if itemized deductions are um, permitted yes. for charitable giving, perhaps the benefit in terms of tax rate might decrease. So it's still a no-brainer to give to charity now right. and get the benefit of the deduction at a higher marginal rate. So income so, tax rates might come down, in which mm -hmm. case when you've got to pay higher, the higher tax rates now, so take more tax deductions. You right? know the benefit you're going to get right. today. We right. don't know what tax reform is going to bring in terms of limits or a decreased benefit in the in the case of lower rates. Right, yeah. which brings me to donor-advised funds. And, and Pam, as I said in my introduction to you that you are the president of Fidelity Charitable, it is the largest and oldest donor-advised fund in the country. Uh, donor-advised funds mean that you can give your charitable donations now, but you don't have to give them, you can take the tax deduction out, but you don't have to give the money right away. So tell me how donor-advised funds work. Right, so exactly how you just described it. It's a giving account that you can use for philanthropy. Basically allows you to make a contribution into an individual account or a family account, take a tax deduction for that, invest that money, uh, it grows tax-free, and then it comes out tax-free with a recommendation to a charity. So we've spent the last 25 years trying to make giving accessible, simple, and effective. You know, accessible in that we have 150,000 Americans who have a donor advised fund with Fidelity Charitable uh, who are using it to do their granting. They're investing it in, in you know, various uh, portfolios, uh, watching that money grow tax-free, and then they have more money to give out to charity when they come to the time that they want to consider which organization they want to support. So last year was a phenomenal year. Our donors gave away $3.5 billion. So I can give my money to a donor advised fund, for instance. And I lose control of that money, yep. right? Yes. However, I, I still have control over, uh, you know, which causes I give to, and that's something that a donor-advised fund helps a, a donor with. Right. So you, they, you call them giving accounts. Yeah. Right? So giving account is sponsored by a, a nonprofit or a, a trust. Right. Uh, we have an independent board of trustees that oversee this, and uh, basically how it works is that you know you put your money into your account. It can grow tax-free, and then you make recommendations for the charities that you want to support. There are 1.5 million charities out there, and it's really important that these be legitimate charities. 
So we do the due diligence on behalf of the donors to ensure that these are 501c3 legitimate, that right. they're in business, that they're keeping up with their filings. Elder, when do you uh, recommend to your clients that they use a donor advised fund versus a direct give, for instance? What well, a direct gift means you have to align having the asset or cash at the same time as the need for the charity, and you've identified the charity. I recommend donor advised funds or private foundations when it's advisable to separate the time of the gift to the time that the charity should mm -hmm. ultimately get the gift. And that could be because you have a unique event in your life, you're selling a company, you own a stock that's highly appreciated, and it's a good time from a tax standpoint to give that asset and get a deduction for its value. You may not be ready for that charity. You may not have identified the charity at this right. point in time, but you know that you have assets which you ultimately want to have go to charity. Yeah. People who are busy in their working lives haven't spent the time, perhaps, working with charities or mm -hmm. knowing who exactly they want to fund, but they do know ultimately that they do want to fund a charity. So from a tax perspective, give it when it's the right time for that asset value or based on your marginal rate, based upon what your tax policy is at the time, and leave it to when you have more time to investigate yeah where that money should go. Picking the vehicle, a DAF versus a private foundation, foundations are hard to set up. Right. They're costly. If you don't do the right thing in the way they're managed, there are numerous penalties. So unless we're talking about millions of dollars, mm -hmm. I typically would recommend a donor advised fund. And I think it's great that sort of the, the average person who has, I think it's maybe a minimum $5,000 yes. mm -hmm. to gift, can take it, have essentially the same tax advantages that someone who could afford a private foundation in order to get a deduction now and identify the charity later. So it brings that tax technique as well as the ability to fund future charities down to the more mass affluent. Mm -hmm. yeah. What are the disadvantages to, to donor advised funds? Are there, any, are there any downsides, negatives? When would you not recommend it to a client? Well, they have to be ready to part with the money, to give the money to a donor <laughs> advised. It's, it's not important. theirs anymore. No. They can't take it back. Um, they can suggest where the monies go so in terms of the ultimate charity. They can suggest where it should be invested, but they, they can't use the money, for example, to um, fund... Uh, perhaps they, they find a venture that they think will have some promising, um, let, let's use an example, a vaccine. For, mm -hmm. you know, so they can't, they can't do program investing, right. things which perhaps if they had their own private foundation they could do. So it's more restrictive. Um, however, it, it is a great, great vehicle for 99% uh, you know, of the population out mm -hmm. there who does do charitable gifting. And they make it very easy to gift. So rather than under current tax law, you have to save every acknowledgement letter for every gift that's over $250. You, if you don't have the letter in hand when you go to file your tax return, 
your deduction could be denied, even if you have a canceled check. So some really? of my some oh my of goodness. my some of my clients, the last thing they ever give me in the preparation of their tax return are the stack of acknowledgement yes. letters, and we have to check off did they receive all of them, or it's not a good deduction. So even for those that mm. gift annually to their charities, I say, why don't we make this easy? One gift to the donor advised fund, one acknowledgement letter from from that fund. And then we don't have to worry about all that paperwork for the 50 charities you want to gift to on an annual basis. From the, the charity's point of view, of course, I've, I've talked to some charities about donor mm -hmm. advised funds. And they said they're a great idea, but when are we going to see the money? Right. And so from, from the charity's point of view, it's, uh, they don't think it's fair that the, you get the tax deduction right away, you as the donor, but they don't get the money right away. What, what's your response to, to that? So a lot of the assets that are coming into donor advised funds are coming in in appreciated securities, mutual funds with appreciation. The charities are not able to take those, liquidate them, and get them to their, to their charity. So this is a whole process that we handle with a donor advised fund is, you know, able to, able to take complex assets, you know, private equity, real estate, restricted stock, non-public stock, you know, and liquidate that so that the money can go into your account and then be given to charity. What was the statistic, Pam, that... That uh, was it, sixty percent of our, our kind of our, our other than cash and stock. Yes. There and as you just said, restricted stock and real estate, and yeah. so you can donate that to a donor advised fund, and it's your problem. You've got to t convert that <laughs> somehow yes, into something right. that you can give to a charity. Yeah. But uh, but but it's really great for the donor. Yeah. Uh, just talk to us, Elda, about maximizing the the tax advantages of of charitable deductions. You know, what are you advising to? clients to do? What are the strategies? The benefit you get for a charitable contribution is based on your highest marginal rate. And that deduction uh, reduces the income that you have that's taxed at that high rate. So when we sit with a client, we first look at what are the right numbers here? Um, what is the maximum you could gift under current law? And the, the limitations for gifting are higher for public charities and donor advised funds than, let's say, private foundations. Mm -hmm. They're the highest for cash. And then uh, property gifts. So for example, gifts of property, um, like equities, um, mutual funds, uh, other complex assets, are 30% of your adjusted gross income for the year. And that's the limit, whether it's a public charity or a donor advised fund. Oh. So first we start with, what's yeah. the limit? Right, right. If you If you're Charitable contributions exceed that limit. You can carry it forward for five years. It's not lost, but it's helpful to frame it out with what's the limit, and based upon your income for the year, what's the benefit you, you would get for that limit? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then we look to, well, what are your assets and what are the right assets? Now, certainly you could always give cash, but that might not be mm -hmm. optimal. Mm -hmm. The optimal asset is one that had you sold it, you'd have long-term capital gain. So something you've held at least a year that has a high amount of appreciation, you get essentially a double benefit. You get a deduction for its value, but nobody pays the tax on the appreciation. Right. It just disappears. Right. So, so much better than gifting yeah. cash, which is why a donor advised fund, in terms of separating the gift from when it has to go to the charity, because it could be a bigger amount than you're ready right. to give to charity, but it might be the right time to get it off your balance sheet, get a deduction at its value. If, if it's publicly traded, perhaps it's just trading very high, 
and you want to capture that in terms of a deduction now. You could worry about which charities later. Right. Which is why we need accountants. <laughs> Thinking about this, um, and no if, from, from your point of view, Pam, when, when, when you're advising your donors yes. at Fidelity Charitable, are there things that you tell them to make their charitable giving more effective, to maximizing the effectiveness of their charitable yeah, giving? Yeah, so that, that is something that everybody's looking for. And so we provide tools and information about the charities on the website so that they can do research to learn the organizations and learn as much as they can about the organizations that they care about so that they can be more informed before they make their contribution. As I said, we also do the due diligence right. on the back end. So you make a contribution to, say, a, a cause in Haiti. You know, that's there's a lot of uh, organizations that have been set up to support Haiti. Very, very, uh, you know, big need in that country. Right. But there's a lot of organizations that maybe aren't as organized. You're not going to get the same level of impact if you were to give to this organization versus that organization. So we try to provide, particularly around natural disasters, kind of what the best organizations are for people to be focused on giving to. Um, but it's, a, it's an ongoing opportunity. There's no question about it. I mean, I think about the things that we really want to do. It's want to create really good, rich information about all the nonprofits that are out there so that our donors are as well-informed as they could possibly be about these organizations that are working on the causes they care about. Another aspect I understand is that if you compare people who use donor-advised funds versus those who do not, that is there more family involvement if you have a donor-advised fund? Is, is that something that happens Yeah, too? we see certainly with the Fidelity Charitable families that they name the, the account in the family name, that they sit down with their family on a regular basis, generally at the end of the year, review all the various organizations that the family you know, members care about, and then kind of siphon off the money to the causes that they care about and do that through their donor-advised fund. So we've seen a lot of families coming together and doing their philanthropy together, again, with smaller amounts. This is, again, these are people that average account size is $15,000, although people have, you know, very significant amounts with Fidelity Charitable as well. Elder, you had mentioned the, the fact that some companies are setting up donor-advised funds as a benefit for their employees. How does that work? We've seen um, smaller companies who don't want to fund a, fam, a, a company private foundation, um, don't want the expense of it, but do want to give the opportunity for their employees to direct giving. So the company makes a contribution to a donor advised fund and names their employees as eligible to direct some of the giving. And in this way, the company doesn't have to worry about whether the charities that the employees are selecting are good charities. The administration is really offloaded to the donor advised fund, right. and yet it's a great tax efficient gift because the company is getting the deduction for the charitable contribution. The employees are not paying tax because they're not receiving the funds, but they're feeling good about the ability to name the charity for their share yeah. of the gift. It's kind of neat. Yeah. It's a win-win. Yeah. We do administer those as well. We have about 300 companies that have their DAFs with us for their employees. Final question for each of you. We ask everyone this on WealthTrack. If there's one investment that we should make in a long-term diversified portfolio, what should it be? Pam, do you want to go first? So include philanthropy in the plan. I think that's one of the things that we would say is missing from a lot of the financial plans that people are doing today, is they're doing philanthropy, they're making contributions to charities and causes that they care about, but they're not planning around it. They're not actually keeping track of it. They're not thinking about what they're going to need in the future. So we would add it to the plan, make sure that that's part of your long-term thinking with respect to your financials. Elda. 
in that portfolio identify the asset that has the highest percentage of appreciation based on its value and think about funding your DAF or foundation with that asset. And explain the reasoning behind that. You get a deduction for the fair market value. No one pays tax on the gain. And if you feel really attached to that asset, then just take the cash you would have given to charity and buy more of that asset. So you're still, you're still whole, but you've gotten a deduction for the value and no one paid tax on the appreciation. Two really solid ideas. LDD Race, thank you so much for joining us from EY and Pam Norley from Fidelity Charitable. It was thank a you. treat to have you Thanks. both on. Thank Thanks. At the close of every wealth track, we try to give you one suggestion to help you build and protect your wealth over the long term. This week's action point is consider using a donor-advised fund for your charitable giving. DAFs allow you to take an immediate tax deduction, but take your time in identifying where the money goes and when it is given. They simplify the record-keeping process. They make it easier to give in smaller and frequent amounts. DAFs vet the organizations you are donating to. They appraise and liquidate hard-to-give assets like real estate and art. If you are interested in simplifying, consolidating, and vetting your charitable giving, an established donor-advised fund is worth a look. Well, next week, we will sit down with contrarian deep value investor Robert Kleinschmidt, whose investments in battered metals and mining stocks paid off the last time he was on Wealth Track. What trash sector is he shopping in now? To hear how this week's guests made some key professional decisions, please go to our website, WealthTrack.com, and click on the extra feature. Also, keep reaching out to us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for watching. Have a great weekend, and make the week ahead a profitable and a productive one.